What is up, Zinger Nation? We made it through Monday, which is usually, you know, the hardest day of the week. But this week, Monday, yesterday, was actually probably one of the chiller days of the week because the rest of the week we have some huge earnings coming in. We had some big earnings yesterday as well, but the rest of the week, some even bigger companies set to report. We will talk about that today. Uh, I got my man Dennis hanging out at 835. We'll be talking to David Prince from T3 Trading. So we've got a lot of great content coming your way. A lot of big news to cover in the EV space, SMCI, and more. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that intro and we come back. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, Dennis, how we doing this morning? Coughing. Trying to oh. cough. Cough through all my... I'm like 90%. I still got a little bit of a cough from this one-month flu bug here, but we're coming. We're getting better. The energy level's coming back up here. A, B, we're ready to rock. Man, that's this is like the, the flu from hell. I don't know. It was I the mean... flu from hell. It was crazy. I mean, to be sick that long. I missed, and I was looking at my January numbers and my day trading account. That's not NASA. And they're not very good. And I'm like, man, I didn't have a great month. I looked at how many days I missed trading. Like, you know, we did the show. I missed a couple of, of shows even. I was really sick. I missed like five days of trading and I never do that. So like just laying in bed, trying to get better, headaches, all this shit, all, everything. But it was a tough month. And then I was trying to trade sick a lot of the times too. So a lot of those days that I actually did trade, I only traded an hour or two. I bet. In January, I missed half of my time trading, and I don't know the last. I don't. It's been years since I missed that much time trading. Yeah, I mean that's a lot, but we've got more. I mean, you you've got trading days basically every day, so you've got a lot of time to make up for it. Uh, let's get, we'll make it up in February. Yeah, you know, we'll make it up in February. Let's get to our, I guess, top news coming into this morning. Of course, yesterday after the close, you had SMCI Super Microcomputer report earnings, and those earnings were super. Uh, I mean, not really anything a surprise here. The company came out and basically told us they were going to crush it. Uh, EPS came in at 559, beat by 43 cents. Revenue, 3.6 billion, beat by 400 million. So, you know, we talked yesterday, Dennis, about the bar being set high for some of these tech companies. The yeah. bar was set high for Super Microcomputer, and it was like a. You know, in the Olympics, when they do the high jumping, when they're jumping over the pole, they set the bar super high and then cleared it by like, you know, five feet. So uh, you can see here on the chart. I mean, this, you know, just this candle is, 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 you know, now we're up here at 560. When we were first talking about this stock the morning where the preliminary numbers came out, the move was up to like 350 pre-market. And then it ripped higher uh, on this day. You can see it closed at 423. Yeah. And now it's at 548. I mean, is this move, you know, you think a little too much too wow. fast? Um, it is, it is, it is a lot. I mean, this stock, let's give a perspective here, started the year at 276. When I put it in NASA, I think the stock was around like 290. It's doubled in a month. 
We've basically doubled in a month this stock. I'm I'm in from I had bought it earlier back in like September or October. I think my average cost basis is two fifty four. I haven't sold a share yet. Um, it's been you know just an incredible move. You know we knew the AI story was gonna. The reason you know I want to be long these stocks is I felt the AI story was going to continue into twenty twenty four and drive the bus in twenty twenty four. So you know I made the NASA acronym with Nvidia obviously. SMCI, AMD, and then I wanted to diversify, thinking about Kramer, and I thought about throwing an AVGO, but I threw an Amgen. Amgen's doing okay, too, though. Amgen made a new all-time high estate, too. It's just not It's not the AI trade. It's not going to blast off and double in a month. This stock's been incredible. The earnings were incredible here for SMCI. I mean, this is, you know, they raised guidance, and obviously they just blew that away, too. So they were talking about in the last couple of weeks, even, you know, that it, it, it even improving here. So the guidance is incredible here. The AI story is for real, folks. And this story is, you know, hot as hot can be. Does it cool off a bit? Does the stock cool off? Well, nothing goes straight up. The question you got to ask yourself, though, do you think the AI story is cooler six months from now or a year from now than it is right now? Maybe, but I don't think AI is going away. So I think these earnings, you know, are going to be continuing to, you know, I don't know if they can continue to raise guidance the way they've been raising it, but Holy mackerel. You can't argue with the numbers. The numbers are nothing short of incredible. Yeah. And you're, you know, typically when you see a stock go up this much in such a short time frame, you'll see people start to take uh, taking some profits. But Mm -hmm. with something like Supermicro Computer and because this move isn't just, you know, out of nowhere, isn't like, oh, it's just because Wall Street Bets is pumping it. There's fundamental reasons why the stock is up this much. You mentioned the numbers. Uh, you can see the guidance here in our in our trusty Benzinga Pro raises 2024 financial uh, year guidance up 100% year over year sales increase. So my point is that you may see some people taking profits, but you also may see some people. And when I say people, I'm talking like big players, institutional money coming in and saying, hey, look at these numbers. Look at this growth. Let's go ahead and stick this in some of our portfolios. So, you know, even if you had, maybe they'll wait for a pullback. Maybe they won't chase it up here, the institutional quote unquote smart money. But because again, that you have this move backed by fundamental reasons by both, you, it's not like, you know, it's it's only going to be one side and going to be sellers. There will be still people coming in and buying up this up here. So I, you know, I could see a, a healthy pullback, but I don't see this stock. And let me go back to the chart real quick crashing back down to where it was before you know these numbers came out because now the company is fundamentally different than it was you know three weeks ago because you can yeah growth. and we predicted like we knew that you know nvidia is obviously driving the bus here for smci and i mean we knew the demand was high high in nvidia it's why i made the argument for this stock you know, back when it was 300, you know, one is the other thing is, you know, obviously one is NVIDIA, you know, driving the bus for SMCI. But two is the market cap on this puppy is not a big stock either. I mean, this stock had a market cap when we originally looked at it about 15 billion. Yeah, and I was like now, 30. Now, well, yeah, now it's now it's 30 because it's just doubled. Right. So, I mean, you know, it, and it is growing. But I mean, if you just extrapolate and say 559, you know, they make 22 bucks worth of earnings here. I mean, you could quickly see that this thing is not trading like 100 times earnings. It's trading like 22, 23, 24 times earnings, even up here. So when we originally bought it, it was trading 15 times earnings, but they've raised earnings so much that this is all just, you know, continuing. This isn't multiple expansion happening here. It's just an adjusting 
for the increased earning power of this company. So, I mean, these numbers incredible. Um, obviously, you know, it's been a, it's been a big move. Part of me thinks like, you know, and I've always talked about this in the long-term portfolio is I used to always have this rule. When a stock doubled, you sell half and then you're, you've got your initial investment out of it and you're always playing with the house's money. I have more than doubled. I think my average cost basis is 255 on this. So I've more than doubled my money. I thought I'm thinking about selling half just because it's such a parabolic move, but I haven't decided yet. We're going to have T3 on here at 835 and ask him the same question. Do you nibble out of a little bit, sell half, and then you're always playing with the house's money on this? I still like the story. It's just, and then the other thing is, you know, looking at my portfolio, I like to stay diversified. And all of a sudden, this was a normal weight stock. And now this is a heavily weighted stock in my portfolio because the thing doubled. So lots to think about here. We'll talk more about this with T3. There's other implications here, though, too, uh, Aaron, because NVIDIA obviously popping on the SMCI numbers. AMD was popping last night, but AMD caught a downgrade here. That's why that's down. But Microsoft, which is now an AI play, which was always an AI play, but they are now trading it with the AI stocks. It's trading up on SMCI. Incredible movement here for some big stocks. Yeah, and going back to your, I mean, maybe selling half of it and keeping it. So, like, I would like to do that if I had maybe other things I was looking at and saying, okay, I can allocate, you know, half the money that I had in this to this new position because I like it. Um, but you know, other, there are other, like the Warren Buffett is kind of the opposite where he's like, no, I keep adding to my winners, add, add, add add to the winners. Uh, you know, now Warren Buffett's winners usually aren't up 80% in less than a month because, you know, he's usually buying a lot of value stocks and, and stuff like this. Um, but when you, when you see a move like this, I mean, I wouldn't blame you for trimming the position, taking some off of it. Again, I think my decision in that would be influenced by, do I have other places I would rather, uh, put that money. So you mentioned that's a consideration here too. I want to be invested in AI still, you know, I've talked about that, you know, I've got a large position in NVIDIA. I've got a fairly large position in AMD. I have a large position in SMCI relative to my portfolio. Um, so, you know, and, and Microsoft is one that I wanted to have and I should have had, I just couldn't stomach the valuation there. I did think about it back in the three seventies and then, you know, it's gone now here. So yeah, th- th- that's a good point. I mean, if I'm selling SMCI, where am I moving? The yeah, money? If you're going to put it into other AI stocks, then like, what's the point, right? The, you the already- best move I probably did Aaron last month was when unity had that pop. Remember unity had that from, pop and from I had the in the long-term portfolio and I hadn't been liking it. I had sold some of it because, you know, I obviously, you know, that there's some fundamental changes there with the way they were operating with the fees they were charging the software developers and unity popped on that layoffs and they were laying off like 20 or 30 percent of the staff I'm like it's too much and it popped like a buck and a half that day and i sold so what i did was i sold my entire unity position i put it all in nvidia i just took that unity money and i flipped it over to nvidia so i added to my nvidia position um and that was a great call because i'm actually up at 20 percent on that nvidia like second buy right now i was just looking at it and unity i would be down four dollars in it so that was a there good you go so that's sometimes adding... when you move you know it's a good move but this is like you're selling one of the strongest stocks in the market here it's in rocket ship mode sometimes when stocks are in rocket ship mode it's good to take some profits and then sometimes they do right. come back in and you get a chance to get back in the biggest problem for me is that i sell them usually quite well and then I forget to get back in and I don't get back in. And then I look at them three years later and they're way higher. And I was like, 
why did I not rebuy that? Well, so, if you're going to sell it, you almost got to have a point where you know you want to rebuy it. Well, we talked about different ways to trade this. If you're already in SMCI, I see Jason Raznick in the chat. The one way I wouldn't, Rats, the, one, nice. the, one, the one way I wouldn't trade it, which Jason knows this is not selling it because you like the percentage gain in your portfolio. So it says you're up 80. <laughs> looking at it. It, it says you're up 80% and you don't want to buy any, you don't want to buy any more because you, you like, you like how much you were up in it and you bought it at a good time. You don't want to sell I it. I like that too. I'm with Raz on that. I like looking at those gainers. You know what, Raz? I'm with you on this one for this reason, is that it builds confidence. So when you have those large gainers in your long-term portfolio and you're looking at those large gainers, it helps to build your confidence. And trading is all confidence. So, I mean, I'm with you, Raz, on that one. You know, like if a, a lot of times, you know, I like looking, I had that MasterCard one and I'd always look at that one. And, you know, obviously I talked about that for a long time because I had average cost basis of 13 and it was one I really did buy and hold. I had it for more than 12 years in my long-term portfolio. I always like looking at it. At one point in time, I think it was up 2,200% in it. And I'm like, that's just fun to I mean, look you at. Always, you, look you at can always sell 100% in something. You can always sell like everything but one share. So you always yeah, maybe. have, you, so you, always have, have you that, should do that. Yeah. yeah. In the green, you always have that up 300% on this, but no, Hey, I still made my money. I, I, I got out of this. <laughs> um, let's I, go. I want to talk before we move on from this conversation, we're going to bring SMCI back in with T3, <sighs> but before we move on to this conversation, I want to talk about ETF effects here just for a quick second yep. here, because Microsoft is ripping higher. Microsoft is in full AI mode. And then you're looking at Apple and you're like, well, why is Apple selling off? Why is Apple not participating? They got the, you know, the Vision Pro. They've got some stuff coming. And I do believe from a fundamental basis that Apple is going to be a player in AI. But they are kind of not focused right now. What is focus? Microsoft, we know, with the chat, GPT products. And, you know, they've been coupled in with that. So ETF effects, believe it or not, people do not believe this stuff. But they do affect price a lot of times on the mega caps more than anything else. So it just for fun, if you bring up the XLK and you just look at the allocations, XLK, which is a widely traded technology fund, is 22.98% Apple. It's also 20.9%. So basically 23% Apple or 23% Microsoft, 21% Apple. QQQ comparison, and still this is just heavily weighted. They are both uh, 8.9% Microsoft, 8.9% Apple. They are heavily weighted. These two stocks are mo more heavily weighted, more than twice heavily weighted than anything else in the index. So what happens sometimes is when you have one of them marching, the ETF arbitrage actually sells the other mega cap stock in there just to make up for the difference so they don't have to rip the index higher. Now, in the index are going up. It can all go up. But sometimes the index isn't going up that much. And today's a good example. QQQ is down on the day. XLK is down on the day, but Microsoft is ripping. So with Microsoft being such a heavily component in there, it's like the ARBs will look, well, what can we sell? And the easiest one to sell for the difference is Apple. So it's funny. You look at Microsoft up 0.63%. Apple is down 0.66%. And a lot of that, believe it or not, folks, is ETF effects. So if Microsoft, is, if these ETF effects continue, Microsoft could actually put pressure on Apple just because of the ETF effects. And people don't believe that stuff happens. It does, folks. You know, I trade these ETF effects. I make my living doing a lot of this stuff. So you can't just automatically say, well, Microsoft is ripping. They're going to buy Apple too. 
The exact opposite is occurring here. Apple actually trading weak the last couple of days, I believe, because and and they and the, and the media they're going to find another reason. They don't want to hear that crap. But I believe a main reason for the Apple weakness the last couple of days is the Microsoft strike. <clears throat> You're on mute. Oh my gosh, you pulled Joel Alconin. God. Oh my God. All right. That's sorry. a tribute to Mr. Alcon who isn't here today. We had to tribute him here. So yeah. AB was tributing him because we know Joel likes to do that once per show. Um. Well, glad to take that off of Joel's hands today. But um, <laughs> you know, do you, Dennis, do you think this is going to happen to a point, and then you could see the opposite effect where people start buying Apple to yeah. kind of you know like re re reversion to the mean, where okay, Apple's got to then catch back up to to Microsoft and these other tech holdings. Um, yeah, but again, that you're trying to predict, you know, different right. things. Like what, what my day trading business really isn't the prediction business. My long-term portfolio is a prediction business. We're all, if we're investing, we're in the prediction business in our long-term portfolio, but the day trading business is more like, what do I see and how does that affect other stocks? You know, relationship based and just knowing that, Hey, this is a day that Microsoft's strong. It's highly likely that Apple is going to be weak just because of that. And that's just what we're in right now. If we were in a ripcord, if the Qs are trading up 1%, everything's going higher. But when you come in on a day and the Microsoft's up $2.38 and the Qs are down, you got to assume Apple's going to be down just because it's such a big component. They got to sell something. You know, and it's not just NVIDIA is ripping higher here. We got a lot of the chips, you know, that are stronger. So there's not just, you know, Microsoft going higher. You got to make up for some some of that. And it's the easiest way to make up is to sell one of the mega cap components there. And that's Apple. Yep. And Jay Rice pointing out the fact that, you know, Microsoft and Tesla are up, but the Qs are red. And like you mentioned, if the Qs are red and you see Microsoft and some of the other big tech names up, chances are that means Apple is down. I forget which guess. The math just has to add up. Right. And I forget which guess we were talking about it with, with Apple when it relates to the AI story. And here's the thing. Is Apple the biggest tech company in the world with the most cash on hand going to just let the AI opportunity walk by without getting its hands in it? No. I don't think so. But is it late to the party compared to Microsoft, compared to NVIDIA, uh, and maybe even something like Google? Maybe. So, you know, if that's the trade right now, and like, you know, we were just talking about with the ETF effect, is there eventually going to be a reverse effect? Maybe. But the trend right now is for AI stocks to be hot. And right now, if you were waiting, you know, OK, if Microsoft is is and Microsoft, NVIDIA, Google, you know, these are your AI names. Apple's not one of those top names. Uh, but could that change in the next three, five years? Of course. So I wouldn't be like shorting Apple or selling Apple because it's not an AI play because I think it will be it an AI play, but it's just not a pure AI play right now. It'll never be a pure AI play, neither will Microsoft, but it won't be kind of grouped in with these AI stocks. Don't uh, count Apple out. No, uh, well, and actually, and I, Apple out, and I and just... I think you get a significant pullback in Apple. I think it's a buying opportunity. But remember... You know, we've talked about this Vision Pro, and I'm a huge believer in the technology. I'm going to continue to say it. I'm not buying the stock. I'm not buying Apple here because, one, I believe the product is too expensive. And, two, I think it's too bulky. I think a lot of people are going to be turned off having to put these like, like they're going scuba diving. So I think it's going to be the second and third generations of this product when they get it cheaper and when they get it less bulky. That is going to be the game changer here. So I'm worried that this first initial, the technology is awesome. You watch that video, you're like, wow, this stuff is really cool. And it will be a game changer. 
but I think we're early on that trade. I don't want to be too early. Yeah, and just looking at the chart here, you mentioned you know you'd be a buyer of Apple on a pullback, so you can kind of see. I mean, you know, little double toppy here, and it looks like we we we're in kind of a downtrend here, few red days in a row. If we continue to move down here to 180 and hit this level right here where my cursor is, I'll take a stab at it here. And then if we happen, and I mean, this would probably have to coincide with an overall downturn in the tech market. Uh, it, you know, if we happen to get down here to like 167, I'd be backing up the truck on this. Because if you just zoom out on Apple's chart, yeah. I'm on a daily here, I'll go to a weekly. Any single, you know, real dip on this has just been a buying opportunity. Not for the last, you know, year, not for the last two years, not for the last five years, for the last like 10, 15 years. Any dip on Apple has all it's been is a buying opportunity for the long term. And I'm not I'm not just going to be convinced that right now is the time that, okay, no, this isn't going to be a buying opportunity. It's going to keep moving lower because, you know, it's kind of like what we talked about with Meta yesterday. Even if the growth numbers aren't there, Say Apple's PE drops to, you know, tw forward PE drops to 20. The stock's out of favor. Eventually, you're like, oh, just look at the value in this, that, that the stock is going to, this company is going to continue making X amount of money every quarter, every year, that there's always going to be a floor in price. And there's not going to be like, we're not going to just wake up and people stop buying iPhones and laptops. So even if the growth isn't looking great on Apple, which I don't think, you know, it really has been looking amazing compared to- They haven't had any growth. I right. mean, the growth has been an issue. The growth is why I sold the stock. I mean, I had Apple in my long-term portfolio for the better part of a decade as well. And I sold it all out around 175. And obviously, it's a mistake. The stock's 190 here now. But I just thought there was going to be, you know, uh, I just didn't, I can't justify paying 28 or 29 times earnings for something that's not growing. I'm still not sure that the earnings growth is going to be there this year. I think the earnings growth is going to be there further out, though. So are they front running the earnings growth? Are they getting ahead of it? Maybe. I mean, maybe we got to think about, you know, these new products. We got to think about, you know, what's coming down the pipeline. We know Apple is very secretive. We know they're cooking up some other stuff, cooking up some other stuff. So, I mean, this is where we're at with Apple. It's like valuations a little bit too high, but we know it's a great company. So I always say buy good companies at reasonable valuations. Apple's definitely a good company. The valuation is a little bit stretched for me. I'd like it in the lower 20s, but yeah, I, mean, I don't know got, if we're going to get it, there. It's still at like all-time highs. But I mean, so like I said, the dip here, if it gets down to this, uh, you know, first of all, if it hits this level first at one around 180, I would take a stab at it. That's about a $10 drawback from here. But then if it gets down to this 167, 168 level is where I would really be like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna back the truck up here. And when I say that, I mean like make it probably one of my bigger positions in my long-term portfolio. Yeah. Um, moving on, Tesla is trading up pre-market yesterday. So we had a bunch of EV stocks rip higher yesterday. So I'm going to share this. I don't, I'm not saying, I'm not attributing all these moves to this because I think some of it was just, you had some, uh, you know, in some of these beaten down EV names like Nikola, uh, Lucid Motors. Oh, that's not, um, Nicholas Sharp, but uh, you had, you know, these stocks are so beaten down that once you got some bullish activity, I think you had people just coming in and, and buying the dip there. Um, but we did get, and you can see, let me zoom in and get this green candle sure. from Lucid yesterday. Uh, I mean, the stock went from, it closed up 27% yesterday at three bucks and 30 cents. What was had, the headline driving all the EVS? No, I'm, I'm, I'm about to share this. I don't, and I'm not saying, I don't know. I don't think this is 
maybe really all of it, but this is what I did see at least some media attributing uh, the move to this report from Clean Technica, a website that tracks EV trends. Um, U.S. auto industry rose 8% in fourth quarter, while EV industry grew 29%. It goes into some of the data here, uh, just in terms of like Tesla sales. So you can see right here, U.S. auto sales Q, uh, Q4 2023 versus Q4 2020. So a three-year change. Tesla with 132% growth compared to all these other brands. And you see a lot of these, you know, uh, brands that are in negative growth, Toyota, Ford, Mercedes, uh, Nissan. So showing really how much market share Tesla has been grabbing uh, yeah. from the overall market. And then uh, let me find, there was a, a really good one that just showed total auto sales. Oh, here we go. Uh, total auto sales. So this is, you know, in, in Q4 from the past four years, you can see Tesla's down here. Uh, 170. I mean, you can just see this growth from 50,000, 73,000 now to 170,000. So Tesla is now selling more in a quarter, more vehicles than like Subaru, Jeep, Ram, GMC, BMW, some of these more like legacy brands. Uh, I, I, and I mean, you hear this all the time, Dennis, with oh my god, Tesla's market share is, is, or you know, uh, market cap is like 10 times all the other autos put together. But now you are kind of seeing this growth here. I mean, you, you still see Ford, yeah. Toyota, the Chevrolet. The numbers aren't crazy anymore. Like, I mean, it's right. trading 60 times earnings, but it's like, it, you know, it grew into its valuation, really. You know, they grew the company into the valuation. And then we know a Tesla. The wild card's the humanoids here. I mean, it is. And it's probably going to be a major driver. I didn't want to be too early on the trade here. I mean, but people are using this pullback to get in. There's no doubt they're starting to use it here. The humanoid aspect the conversation is going to continue so the question is can the story trump the you know the the the, the fundamentals here really right now because you know we've seen the growth but we know the growth is slowing here and and musk has basically said 2024 is gonna be a slower growing year we know 2025 is projecting out to be better so the question for you if you're buying the stock at 195 is can the humanoid story you know trump the slower growth for their traditional business it might i don't know the if, if i have the answer to that chris camilo says yes so dumb money you know he says yes and he's all in on tesla and i mean i get it i don't ever go all in on anything but i get the story i think there's going to be a story here and i think 10 years from now the stock's going to be a lot higher i don't know if i can get it yeah, cheaper and here or not but right now they're buying the dip in tesla they're using this dip to get position for the next big move and humanoids are real. We see what they're doing. They're doing some cool stuff. I, you know, I've always loved Boston Dynamics. We've talked about that. You know, but what Tesla's doing is incredible as well. The humanoids are going to be here. They're coming. Yeah, and I mean, if there's one stock that you know people will buy for the story, it is Tesla, right? I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard big Tesla bulls tell me it's not a car company or tell me, you know, just wait till full self-driving comes out and everyone has to subscribe $200 a month, all these things. So, it, you know, if you're, if you're buying it for some of these stories working out, then yeah, I mean, you can, you, you can convince yourself of that saying that this company is going to be able to figure these things out, going to be able to figure out the humanoid robots. Personally, 
I'd rather be looking out, just say this next year, just say, okay, in the next 12 months, what's going to happen with Tesla is demand going to come back up, you know, or is it going to be a slower year? Like Elon said, and maybe even scarier is them mentioning that their margins are going to decrease, which Tesla has always been uh, benefited by the market, by investors for having much better margins than any other car company. I mean, there's a reason why if you look at, say, Toyota Motors stock, that this stock wasn't making, uh, you know, that it hasn't really, you know, killed it with the overall market, wasn't making new all-time highs, all this stuff. And it's because, uh, you know, or you look at Ford stock. Because Toyota is Yeah, okay. That's like, well, that's like the, the, one, the one car stock that did. GM, Toyota, <laughs> or GM, uh, you know, Ford, like all these other stocks. The reason why the, the uh, charts don't match up with the SPY and with the overall market is because their margins aren't great. They're kind of like airlines. Like even if they're bringing in a lot of money, uh, it, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily there's a lot of growth or that they're not spending money to make that money. So when Tesla came in and was able to say, hey, look at how much better our margins are than all these other car companies. People really like that because if you can say, hey, our, 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 our vehicle sales are growing and our margins are better, obviously that becomes a more attractive investment than some of these other car companies. But now if both Tesla's growth is slowing and the margins are decreasing, then that could be kind of a scary story in the short term. And like you mentioned, it has these other things on the horizon for the long term, whether you're talking humanoids, whether you're talking you know, full self-driving, whether you're talking charging network. Uh, that could be huge players for the company. But right now, the company's revenue is still uh, tied to how many cars it's selling. Uh, and so, you know, while we're talking about car sales, we do got to. And also about the other risk with Tesla right now is he's fighting with the board. He wants more control without having more shares. I mean, you know, imagine it's like, oh, I'm going to work a little bit less over here and work a little bit more on one of my other projects. He has multiple companies the guy is working for. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a risk there too with Musk himself. So these are your risks. You're paying a high valuation for Tesla. If you're paying it, you're buying it for the humanoids. You're not buying it for the car growth. Wait, you think he's right going to go humanoids. out and buy? Pin, you think he's going to go out and buy Pinterest now? I hope not. I hope he's not. I think he's learned his lesson. I don't think he's going out and buying any other social media companies here. <laughs> I think he learned his lesson the hard way. But you know, I get it. You know, people are coming in buying the dip on tech. We've talked about this all year. Tech stocks are getting bought on dips. Day three, and they start buying the Tesla dips. So, I mean, it's right on cue. And, you know, a reason for the Tesla pop here today is General Motors. which Right. I've got it pulled here. up. I've got GM's, it pulled up. Let's talk to GM earnings yep, here. So you had, GM earnings were pretty good. You had EPS come in at 124, beat the dollar 16 estimates. Uh, sales, 43 billion, beat the 38.97. So we'll call that $39 billion estimate. That's a big sales beat, 4 billion. Yeah. I mean, that's about 10% of the expected sales. So when you beat sales by uh, 10%, that's usually be pretty good. Uh, profit guidance tops expectations. I'm getting this all in my Benzinga Pro, by the yep. way. You can see the stock is up about 6.5% pre-market. Uh, and GM is one of the many, you know, kind of legacy auto companies that in a, basically the opposite of what Tesla is doing has saying, hey, we're going to slow down our EV uh, you know, production and stuff and, profitable. and focus on what, what a is selling and what B is like you mentioned profitable. So, uh, you know, it's interesting, I guess, to see Tesla popping on this news when you do have, uh, you know, GM basically kind of poo pooing the, the EVs and saying it's more about the 
ice vehicles, the old school gas powered vehicles. Um, but either way, you're seeing basically all of the auto stocks trading up this morning, Ford up 2%. We mentioned Tesla up more than uh, about two and a half percent as well. GM obviously up six and a half percent. Toyota, Toyota's down. So, you know, maybe not getting the same bounce as some of these other uh, American car companies, but How's Stellantis doing? What's Stellantis's ticker? Oh, here we go. STLA up about a percent. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're seeing some some good news on the car space. If you were a buyer on these on the dip during the strikes, which I remember there were a couple analysts, uh, Adam Jonas from Morgan Stanley came yeah. out and basically saying, hey, look, we actually like these stocks here. And I was like, what do you mean? They're not even, you know, making cars right now. And it seemed crazy. Uh, but you were you've been you've been vindicated. You've been rewarded if you came in and bought those stocks during these strikes down in this time. And I mean, GM. And again, those strikes. What was the time of the strike? November. Right. You were vindicated buying anything in November. Okay, the that's a good point. Entire market. That's a good everything, point. Everything. I mean, everything went up since November. So I mean, if you were just you know throwing darts Portnoy style at the board. In all likelihood, if you bought a stock in November, unless it's a really crappy company, you're probably up. If your stock's not up, like an AMC or something like that, I mean, you got to stay away from you know some of these stocks, which continue to make new all-time lows. Um, it's a lot to do with market effects there, but yeah, you know, General Motors' valuation is ridiculously low. You know, I've been thinking they're going to have a tougher year. They aren't projecting to have a tougher year. So, you know, I'm not right right now looking at that. I keep thinking, you know, if big ticket items are not going to sell as well in 2024. That is not the case. Not the case what GM is saying here. So good earnings. Can't argue with results. Can't argue with the P&L if you're long the stock. Congratulations to the longs. All right. And just, you know, you mentioned lows. Uh, Pfizer had been trading at 52 weeks, week lows, also reported earnings this morning. I'll pull those up. Not really getting a big bounce. They EPS, just don't care about it. They don't care about <laughs> Pfizer. There's care. no growth story here. Uh, revenue. No AI story. No growth story. Yeah. COVID. I mean, it's still got the COVID linkage to it, even though COVID is very little of it now, I think. But yeah, it's uh, just and, it, and it's in the long term portfolio and it's been one of my worst stocks. And this is one that, you know, people in the, a lot of people in the chat are probably going to hate us even talking about. But, uh, you know, when we talked about Moderna a few weeks ago uh, and look, I mean, at this point, these st these companies, I think at least Moderna, which I'm in and not Pfizer, I'm not in it for the covid trade. I'm not in it for the covid vaccines. Those that's over. I think Moderna actually has, you know, the capabilities to, to treat some other diseases and have, have other, other stuff they're working on. Exactly. And I think this is a long term story. But, you know. You know, just pulling up Pfizer's earnings, we talked about the bar is set really high for a lot of these tech companies. I think the bar was set pretty low for Pfizer because people know that, hey, they're COVID-19 vaccines. They've just been quarter over quarter, slowing growth, less revenue from these vaccines. The bar was low. They surpassed that bar on their earnings and still not getting a pop here, which this is when I like to talk about. It's less about the numbers for me when it comes to earnings and more about the market reaction. And the reaction is just telling me that, hey, even with positive earnings, even with the stock being at 52 week lows, people aren't rushing down here to buy it. So why should I? Why should I rush down to buy it? If other people aren't saying, if institutional money isn't coming in and saying, hey, this has value, there's clearly a reason for that. Um, and so, yeah, just, just wanted to, uh, give the numbers real quick. Uh, you had, uh, guidance revenues of 58 and a half to 61 billion. 
beat the beat the consensus estimate 22 or two dollars and 22 eps so i mean like again i'm just gonna stay away from this if i had to pick between moderna or pfizer i would pick moderna because it seems like the more kind of high-tech revolutionary stuff they're working on um but again that's one i'm more in for the long term not one i'm like swing trading for the next six months Let's bring on our guests because we're going to get into this conversation here and we're going to continue, obviously, the, the conversation back to technology here with T3. We are. So we're going to bring on David Prince from T3. Let's give David our very special pre-market prep intro and we come back. We'll get back to some of the hot tech stocks that everyone loves trading. All right, David Prince from T3. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. A little tired, but otherwise feeling great. Tired. Where, where are you joining us from? Uh, right now, Texas, New Braunfels, Texas. Okay, so you're probably an hour behind us in the Eastern time zone. Exactly. So, so you know, I appreciate Oh, it's you. not that. It's not that. It's dogs I, and kids. All good. Okay. Oh, it's kids, kids. Kids make you tired. David, I got two of them. I know. I'm just exhausted. It's perpetual exhaustion here with two young kids. <laughs> Well, at yeah. least down in Texas, you probably aren't dealing with as much, uh, you know, up here, the kids have been out of school like three days a week for the past month, whether it be snow days, cold days, et cetera. We have um, COVID here, so we have that. Oh, there you go. There you go. You got something too. All right. Well, David, let's hop right into it. Uh, you know, I know you made a good, uh, great call, I should say, on SMCI, on Super Microcomputer a couple weeks ago. Can you walk me through that? I'll pull up the chart while we talk about it. And if you've got a screen or any charts you want to share, uh, be my guest. Sure. So I'm, I'm more of a, a reader of charts and kind of explain what they're going to do. I'll let you put up the charts because you're going okay. to put them in a much better. I'm a tech idiot. I'm old. So bottom line, uh, we know they pre-announced an extraordinary uh, quarter, right? And once they gave us that guidance, I believe it was a Wednesday evening. Was it Wednesday or Thursday evening? Whatever evening. Guidance? Yeah. Preliminary, so yeah. Whatever preliminary guidance evening that was, the stock uh, was 300, 305, and traded after hours between 3.30. It started at 3.30, basically. And it yeah. went late and after hours to 344. It was uh, Thursday night, I think. And I, I looked sure. and did some basic math. And I said, this is getting insane, right? Um, in terms of how much money they're going to earn. So this company is either a complete fraud or it can't trade at 15, 17 times numbers when it's growing by well over 50%, like 100%. And, and we're seeing revenue growth, top line growth. We're not seeing like, a cost cut story. We're seeing unbelievable top line growth. This, and then I explained to people that follow, I said, you know, if AMD can go up on hype, right? Uh, we don't have real core numbers to back up the move we've seen in AMD. It's really a, a feel good story based on what we're seeing. It'll probably be great, but we don't have that data. I said, if AMD can do that, then SMCI on these numbers is going to be an outsized move. It's not a 30, 40 point move. It's gonna be a complete catch up move. And it is the exact Nvidia trade that me and many people on the street did once it crossed 500. I said, you know, we base for ever and ever and ever. Six uh, months. And you have a base that long and you get all the sellers out and then you have bonafide news to back up an extraordinary move. 
I basically said, listen, it could be 400 today or Monday. It really is. It, it is that cheap at this point. So we bought the stock between uh, pre-market 342 and after hours, uh, excuse me, in pre-market, I said under 340 is where I want the bulk of my position. Uh, got lucky. I went to 338, bought more, um, crossed the high of the day, 350-ish, kept going. And actually where I where I think I kind of uh, prospered in that trade is when it was 370, 380, 390. And, you know, traders who are not investors sometimes count their money. I said, don't, don't be that guy. Don't, don't count your money. This really is still cheap and it can continue. So don't try and decide what the top is, stay in the trade. So uh, I can't tell you I'm smart enough to still have it today because I just thought risk reward, it didn't set up for me at least. But uh, we, we rode some of the stock into 470 and even, even added on a pullback either Friday or Monday into, uh, I guess it went across 400. On that pullback from like 486 to 410, we even added. And then I was out 470, 475, something like that. You didn't want to take it into the report. It just, it just felt like I didn't have my edge. And not that I, I, I'm not going to be long yeah. as stock, but I didn't... He, he as a CEO is, is not Jensen, right? Um, there, there's some hair on the story for people that are old like me. They, they've done a little research and know there was once an accounting issue and you still have people out there screaming it's a scam and all, all that sort of stuff, which I, I doubt it is, but you're, you're going to have that, that sort of stuff. So I said, okay, what's my edge? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step away. I do have friends who are long these $600 calls who that were very active all week who will get paid today on the print. You think the 600 calls are still going to be worth it? Or I guess if you go far enough. If they, yeah, they were buying like three, they were like $3. So with this type of premium and IV, I assume they're up a lot. I mean, you got to sell them, but yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting here and this was one of my stock picks too, actually. And I, I'm like looking at it and are I put this in the long term. I'm still in it right now. And I haven't sold a share. Oh, well, good for you. Uh, but, but here I'm looking at it and thinking, Man, this is a big move. I've got this. I've got this counting money problem here, David. Where I'm looking at this thing and thinking, man, this was a big move, and I wanted to put this in the longer term account, but I didn't think it was going to double in in a month. Right, and this that, is not it's a like it almost feels like a billion dollar company going fast. to ten. Is this like getting to be a real size company now? Yeah, like yeah. When I was looking at it, it was kind of speculative to a certain extent, but I, I knew the AI story was attached. I knew the relationship with Nvidia. I just didn't think it was going to explode like this. So now I'm like, is it too much too fast? Is there a time? So I want general question for you. Is there a time you just take profits because it's just too much too fast? No. Okay, good, good know, answer. I only, I only know this because I'm 53 and I've given up, I'll throw out a number, easily $40, 50000000 million for a 30-year career doing that. Right? <laughs> so don't sell. No, 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 no. But I always sell some, right? And it yeah. enables me to reestablish a sizable position if we do get that pullback. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I am so not an all or none guy. It's the one thing I believe. I like yeah. to layer my entries either in halves or thirds, same thing on the outs. So uh, what I'm doing, if I'm you though, and I'm smart enough that I held for this print is I'm selling upside calls at the very least, right? Take it. You even do weeklies and probably make 50, 70% because I wouldn't be shocked if it's 530 later and we know how the premiums will just go whoosh, so that, that's probably what I do is, you know, those calls you said are kind of like, are they going to make money? Why don't you sell some? <laughs> there you go. Not uh, a bad call. 
Well, David, so, I mean, you mentioned the AMD hype and that story as well. Of course, AMD set to report today after the close, uh, you know, with, with a bunch of other huge tech stocks this week. What are you thinking about AMD into this uh, into the report? Would you be chasing this? So, Dennis, I once had 40 or 50,000 shares of AMD. Remember when it was five, about four or five years ago? Oh, gosh, yeah. Stacks did a secondary. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. I remember oh, it's it's a big secondary. Yeah. I wouldn't be talking to you right now, Dennis. <laughs> You'd be retired on some island. Um, but so, but uh, seriously, so that's why we don't know. But Lisa is truly one of the most extraordinary. I mean, to what she's done is, is remarkable. Yeah. So I, I don't poo-poo AMD. AMD, if you're around, you understand it trades with a higher PE. It's just comfortable that way, right? It's always been one that trades a little bit more on hype and less about PE. Uh I, I think it's really simple here. I think the stock is due an easy 7, 10% correction unless she raises guidance by a huge margin. I don't mean like she beats and raises guidance by 10%. I think she's got to raise guidance like 30, 40, 30 lower, like more like 50. I'm curious what you guys think, but I think if she has to raise guidance 40, 50%. Talk about, is it the M3, whatever the name of that chip is, the, the direct competitor to NVIDIA. Yeah. Raise guidance by 40, 50%. And it could still go higher. I'm not going to, in this, because of the climate, it can go higher. I'm not saying it should. If she does not, I, I think it's down 15, 20 points. Yeah. yeah and, and I'm sitting here and I'm long AMD as well. Same reason I bought SMCI and AMD just because of the AI store. And I'm looking at the move here and thinking, I've almost doubled my money on this one too. And I'm like thinking, maybe I should sell some stock here as well. So, you know, just I'm nervous going into the print on this one. I'm more nervous on the print on this one than the SMCI because we, we knew the SMCI. Oh, I, I've said all week. Thousand, sorry to interrupt, a thousand percent. If the, if there's like two two that I'm concerned about, Apple I'm not because everyone knows it. It's like Telegram, but it's Meta and it's AMD. Like yeah, that, where I think there's some real downside, perhaps. And I think we're aligned going into this report on AMD, David, because I mentioned this as well, that it's not going to be enough for a stock like AMD this quarter to just report good earnings, right? The bar has been set so high that unless you absolutely crush it and with a huge guidance raise, like you said, a lot of this growth that they're going to report is already priced in. So you need to say, you need to show that like, hey, that growth that you've been pricing in, Mr. Market, hasn't been enough because this is how much we've actually been growing and surpassed that number, which again, like we've, I've seen this before with big tech earnings where they report great quarters and the stocks trade down because, uh, you know, the expectations were already so high going into it. So, uh, you know, you mentioned Meta as well. What are your hot takes when it comes to the earnings this week? I mean, we have, you know, we're going to hear from Google. We're going to hear from Amazon. We're going to hear from Apple. We're going to hear from Meta. Uh, were you saying you're worried about Meta's earnings? So uh, just hot takes, real simple. Going into uh, 24, I mean, I, I'm not going to bore you with biggest positions, but outside of biotech, my real take was Amazon. Amazon and NVIDIA, I said, are my two MAG7 names. The bad part of the calls, I said, anything MAG7 would do, great as a whole and all it's done has gone up outside of uh, uh. Tesla, which whatever, it's no longer in. But my point is, so Amazon's been my favorite into the print all year. Um, I just think there's some levers left to pull. When people talk about PE and valuation, I'm like, oh, okay. We've been talking about that for 20 years. Um, you know, you would have missed the story most of the time. Yeah. So uh, I'm not as, I don't want to say I'm not cocky into the print because it's been a big move. 
I had stock, I have calls. In fact, I closed my stock position yesterday and added a little uh, risk to the calls. Um, but that that's the one that I think they're levers because they really did cut costs because Andy is a no joke guy. I mean, he's the guy who created the profit engine as much as we love Jeff Bezos. I mean, Andy's a genius, right? Um, they've cut the fat out and uh, the advertising business is like a bonafide juggernaut. Like it's, it's a huge business that I think people are undervaluing. So that one meta, I think people almost forgot that it was down on last quarter's print Kramer and everyone loved it. Stock eventually turned and went higher. But when you look at meta, it's been a cost cutting story. I get it. Reels picked up a little bit of momentum, but can you tell me what at meta, like Facebook, slow Instagram, it's not kicking butt. WhatsApp, they're not really monetizing, just how I see it. So I get it. They earn lots of money and it was a cheap PE. Oh, and by the way, Dennis, I bought it yep. at 88 and I thought I was a genius at 140. So hold your winners. I don't have to tell you, but that's why <laughs> so uh, I've been back in since, but my point is uh, I, I have to hold my winners better. So I, I just I've wonder here after the size of the move it's had, if the, uh, the year of efficiency, we're well past that now. If that part's over, don't they need to show like real momentous growth or on a good number, it sells off? That's that's my gut. I don't have any empirical data to tell you why. I'm with you on Meta too. I mean, as much as everybody hated it at 100, they all love it up here now too. And then you're going into a print and expectations are high. And I, I just think, and then, you know, even the Vision Pro, I feel like it's going to be a competing product here with Meta. I mean, with Apple, well. they say they're comfortable, but come on. Yeah, comfortable going when Apple's coming at you. I don't like Apple coming at me. Did you so. see, um, uh, I don't know if Ives or who it was, said that's like when uh, BlackBerry said the same thing about Apple coming out with the yeah. iPhone. Oh, yeah. We welcome the competition. <laughs> How's that doing for BlackBerry? Exactly. <laughs> um, I, let's, uh, you know, we've got about a minute left, David. So, you know, we we'll, might have to be a little quick here. Transition from tech stocks, another sector I know you follow is the cannabis space. I'm going to pull up the MSOS uh, multi-state ETF. Oh, that's that's pulling up Apple's chart. Let me refresh this real real quick oh, yeah. and get MSOS. Oh, yeah, yeah. What what do you what are you seeing in the cannabis space right now? I mean, still awaiting uh, news on this reclassification potentially. Would you be a buyer of cannabis stocks down here? So I, I'm gonna kind of just cut to the chase on this. Um, I, I finance a bunch of companies, one of the biggest that's ever gone public in the U.S. through J.P. Morgan. So I, I have some good insight. I have a big, uh, a big private company that's a comp to uh, GrowGen. So the business, the industry is not doing great, no matter what anyone tells you. Right, right. now, supply-demand dynamics are not great. So understand the fundamentals are not there. It's kind of humming along at the bottom. They're not getting worse. Eh, they're not really getting better. Um, but a catalyst like the DEA actually rescheduling changes the complete dynamics of the industry. And so many people have harped on about uh, safe banking, but you can't quantify safe banking. You can quantify what rescheduling means. You're going to have companies make hundreds of millions of dollars more in one day, right? That, that changes everything because they can now actually write off things like rent, like normal costs of business. So it would be a boom to the industry, but it's going to be the multi-state guys off the bat. The question, and it seems very simple, is what do they do with all that money, right? And then you have state approvals, which is actually one of the few things going, well, it's going to flow down to 
a lot of the hydroponics players and do, you know, to keep it simple also, sorry to say that again, you don't worry about toll rate. Like that's a hype stock, but it actually is unaffected by things like that. So it's going to be about green thumb and cure leaf and MSOS. And if you want bigger bang for your buck with a lot more risk, you're looking down the food chain to a grow gen and a hydro farm industry still sputtering along at the bottom. I only buy it when things are ugly, like MSOS at six, then at eight. Recently, I trimmed at nine. Um, and when that happens, if it happens, then you have a real catalyst. And here's what I like to comp it to, and I know we got to go. Remember when Carvana had positive change? Upstart actually had one positive quarter. Affirm had a positive change. Well, when companies are down 90 or 95% from highs, you don't have to be in a bull market to have two, 300% moves. Most of these cannabis stocks are off 80, 90, 95%. So even without business being blockbuster, they can double off bottoms. And th that's how I view it. So would I get insanely bullish? Absolutely not. There's so much easier out there, but at the right spot, sure. It's, it's a good place for spec money. That's Got it. Well, David Prince, again, from T T3 Trading. We've got a link in the chat if you want to go check out more from David. Check out some of his trades, uh, free room. So, again, go to the uh, description if you want to hit that link. David, thanks again for hopping on. Benzinga. Thanks, guys. I appreciate thanks. you having me very much. Of course. Yeah, Have a great you, rest of your Tuesday. All right, guys. That was David Prince from T3. Great guest. I, I, I mean, T3, the, everybody that comes over from T3 is fantastic. Yeah, you know, we've had you know four, four now, four different uh, people coming over from T3. No, we've had Scott for years, but everybody that's come over here from T3 has just been fantastic. Yeah, uh, going back to uh, our charts real quick. When we were talking about Amazon, so I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say I'm I'm like Chris Camillo, uh, Camillo uh, Dennis, but I do like to identify trends. Uh, yeah. and, and one of the trends that I've been noticing recently, and I was thinking about the other day, is there a way to play this? I've been noticing that younger people, specifically younger women, are reading a lot more. A lot of like romance novels, Colleen Hoover, this and that. And I was ah. trying to think like, is there a way to play this? And I'm like, well, Amazon, no. Because like, you know, if people buy a bunch more books on Amazon, that's going to make up 0.0001%. It's not the them. online bookstore anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. So if anyone out there does have ideas on how to play an increase in reading, let me mean reading glasses. I have no clue. So that's one of those trends that's happening right now. Like you can just go out there and see me. I think it started during the pandemic maybe. But, maybe. Uh, you know, again, Colleen Hoover, some of these authors are crushing it right now. Not sure there's a way to play it. Are there are there any publicly traded publishing houses? Maybe I don't know. I don't. Um, know. But uh, all right, let's go. Anyone That's an interesting idea. We'll have to get back to you on that one because online uh, bookstores here is not my specialty anymore. Oh, that's a decent one. Short Netflix. People maybe reading more instead of watching. Maybe uh, I don't know. And then spot. Okay, so here's a good transition. Spotify got an upgrade today. Stock trading higher. Spotify sure. has made a lot of uh you know moves to get more audio books on its uh app to to compete with you know some of these other uh and we're apps. on spotify too we are on spotify too make yeah. sure to subscribe to ben's being a lot of this is us pre-market prep new. and uh and leave us a review on there so let me get, go ahead and get this uh upgrade so we got an upgrade from ubs price target 274 uh spotify right now is trading at 221 so i was actually crunching some numbers on spotify recently looking at you know how many paying users it has how much revenue it's bringing in and the average price that someone's paying right now worldwide for a monthly spotify account dennis can you guess just off the top of your head 
$9.99? No, it's like $2 because they have so many users in some of these countries like India, Pakistan, whatever what Spotify has done has targeted these, you know, high growth markets, but offering a lower cost basis. I uh, so, want to be, I want to be subscribed for $2. I, know, I think I pay $15. We have the family plan. I think it's 15 or $16. My wife pays every month. I want the $2 plan. I know. Maybe you need to get a VPN so it makes it look like you're yeah, in, you know, this in, isn't fair. In, in I don't want to pay $15 if I can pay two. But my, so my, with how many users it has, and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I was doing some math on it. And I was like, if it could raise its average monthly subscription price to like $5 worldwide, the stock would double. So I wonder if like, as time progresses, if that's the plan from Spotify is that now it has all these users, you're already paying monthly, you've already got all your playlists, you've got all these things that Spotify customizes for you. And then they start saying, oh, you know what, we're going to jack up prices. And if you're if you're in those countries, and it's $2, and you jack it up 30%, and it goes to, you know, $2 and, and 60 cents, then maybe they can, maybe people can afford that. I don't know. But I do think Spotify in terms of just how many users it has, it's interesting. It's it's still trading well below its highs. And, you know, 2021, you look at it, it got up to almost $400 a stock. Now it's $221. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't maybe necessarily love this in the short term, but I don't think Spotify is going anywhere. I don't think people are just going to all of a sudden say, hey, we're all going to go to Apple Music or we're all going to go to Amazon Music. There's competition, but I think Spotify does kind of have a moat and have an edge in this space. I think the valuation here is stretched, though. Like, I was just looking, you know, Benzinga Pro's got the forward multiple trading in 95 times earnings. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we got to figure out, you know, if there's the growth there to justify that. In some cases, there is, you know, where we've, you know, justified in the past. And I don't always look at, like, trailing earnings. But the Benzinga Pro, it does look ahead, and they've got the forward earnings at 95. I haven't really looked at this as an investment thesis on Spotify in a long time um obviously you know if you're looking at one of the hundred bucks but now it's it's run a long ways too we got to consider that as well the stock has been running for the better part of a year and a half so we got bottom at 73 now we're 218 i don't want to get you know and be buying somebody else's profits here too so i feel like i'm late to the party here maybe some more research though to look if they can grow into those earnings and it's a good exercise i mean look at projections look at where the earnings are going project them out on your own you know even put in a, an excel sheet or something and project them out because a lot of times what people do is they just take those numbers at face value and say, I'm not paying this, you know, and that's how you miss the Amazon stories. You've got to be able to project those earnings out. I haven't done that exercise with Spotify yet, so I really can't comment on whether this is a reasonable price. Yeah, and again, I probably wouldn't be chasing it up here in the short term. I think if you were buying it, it'd be for a long-term play, and, it, and it'd be kind of, you know, if I were buying it for the long-term, it would be, be based on that story, saying, look how many users they have. They're not even really bringing in that much money from their users right now, and they could in the future. So, you know, again, I'm not really looking at the short term. Dennis, just in general, are you someone who likes to, I know a lot of people like to do this, invest in the companies that you're also customers of saying, Hey, look, I spend money on the Spotify family, you know, play yeah. for my family. That means it's a good product. And if I'm willing to spend money on it, that means a lot of other people are. So I'm going to buy the stock too. Do you like to do that? Do you have any stock? I, I think it's a nice story, but I don't actively do that. No. You don't I look do at, that. you know, what I think, you know, is the, you know, and again, you know, like I'm, not sitting here and you know i'm not buying smci products or anything like that i always look you know for an investment thesis and taking the day trader cap off and just putting on the investor hat 
the first thing I look for is, you know, I want to see a growth story, really. I don't want to like just, you know, and sometimes, you know, you do some value stocks too, but you want to see some growth. So I want to see growth at a reasonable price. And I also want to see, is there potential for a story? Can this stock get hot? So if you look at like why, you know, I was like with NASA, NVIDIA, AMD, SMCI, and Amgen, that was, you know, again, valuation, people keep saying NVIDIA is such a crazy valuation, but it's not when you look at the forward earnings. It's trained 26 times earnings, you know, when I was buying it. It's still trained 26 times earnings and it's went way up because they've just grown the earnings. AMD was trading when I went in on a forward basis around 30. It's over 50 now because the stocks went up so much. Um, SMCI was trading 15 times earnings when I went in. You know, and then, you know, you look and then Amgen was another one at 17. So you can see I'm like looking for a story. I'm looking for growth. All yeah. at a reasonable you price. Want to find I feel like sweet. Amgen is still a reasonable price here. It's the one stock that hasn't gone from my acronym here. I believe the cancer, uh, I, I don't know, well, they obviously have a lot of drugs, but I believe the weight loss drugs, they're working on five different ones with Amgen here. I believe, you know, I've saw what's happened with Lilly. And if any of these can hit for Amgen, we, maybe they're all going to be duds. You know, Pfizer's tried it. Pfizer screws everything up, you know, and their, and their weight loss drug wasn't looking very good. But I mean, if they can do anything, if one of these can hit, you know, you could get some multiple expansion here from 17 times or 16 times, get up to 20, 25 times. That would be something. So, and Lily obviously has just gone exponential because of this weight loss. But we're all like, Lily, you know, Lily, the weight loss drug. I think Amgen's the forgotten one. I really do. And I think Amgen's working on it here. And I think they're working on five of them. And if one of those could hit, I think, and then if, if none of them hit, you still got a 2.87% dividend and it's a reasonable valuation. But you got the wild card of potentially one of those hitting. And I could see it, you know, taking off to $400 a share if one of those hit. Maybe even $500 a share if one of those hit. Maybe none of them hit, though. That's the, that's the, that's the problem. But you like having that on. story. You like having the potential story. that this thing comes in. Story and growth. So you yep. like having growth, a story, and then also a reasonable valuation, which it's yep. not super easy, but those opportunities are out there, right? You can find yeah. companies with good growth, with a good story that aren't, like trading at crazy multiples. And again, it's not like the easiest, you, you can't, like you said, just throw a dart at the dartboard like Portnoy and, and pick anything. But if you go out and specifically look for those qualifications, you can find opportunities out there. Which I is mean, let's take the Portnoy story the opposite here. And, you know, I, I think David Portnoy is a hilarious. I, I think he's hilarious. I follow him on Twitter. I laugh, love David Portnoy. But, you know, he's coming in and buying safe. You know, he's buying something that is the exact opposite of what I would invest in, the exact opposite. One, you know, he's just coming in because it's went down a lot. And, you know, you know, he's coming in and saying, oh, yeah, we're going to save it. It's a movement. Save, save. It's a movement here. Movements, you know, are cool. It's, it's good stories. I like Supply and Spirit. I hope that they do get saved. But would I come in here and invest in this? I mean, you've got a company that is teetering on surviving obviously you know they, they need this merger they're talking about to even survive so you don't have a growth story you don't even have really a good story you don't have you know a reasonable valuation because save is you know starting to come down here you got jet blue doesn't know if they're going to buy them or not or you know if this merger is going to go through i mean this is just the exact opposite of what i would be looking to invest in you know is there a trade here maybe but you know you're investing dollars i feel like you're investing dollars are the dollars you've worked really hard for. And I want to protect those dollars because I don't want to have to make them again. 
So I'm not throwing it in speculative, little pieces, like 1% maybe. But for the most part, I'm not letting speculative plays like, oh, let's go all in on this or all in on that because I don't want to start over. You know, my investing portfolio is a lot of stuff that I intend to retire on. So I want to buy good companies that I know are going to be their blue chips at reasonable valuations. And if you look through my whole long-term portfolio, there's a lot of, you know, conservative investments. But again, the reason I had NASA NVIDIA, it's a great company. It's not even a good company. It's a great company. And the valuation wasn't crazy. That's what we were talking about. The valuation wasn't crazy. People say it is, but they're not doing their homework. They're looking at trailing multiples. And, you know, so there's a, there is opportunities out there, Aaron. Why do we have to settle? As investors, why do we have to settle and buy trash in our long-term portfolio when we can get we can go out and do the homework and find good companies at reasonable valuations? Don't settle. Yeah, and the, and you know, having a couple, you know, more conservative or value stocks isn't the worst thing in your world because I'd rather be, you know, maintaining my portfolio and maybe not, you know, making a lot of money compared to losing a lot of money on like crazy growth stocks. But all right, 9:05 a.m. We're gonna go Overtime. ahead and transition to our live trading show. I will throw this in the chat. We are streaming earnings this afternoon. If you want to watch AMD, Microsoft, uh, Google, I'll throw those links in the chat. You can also just find it on our channel because I don't know if those links are going to really work for you guys in the chat. But either way, if you guys want to tune in to those earnings, we will be streaming them here on Benzinga's YouTube. Right now, we're going to get over to Benzinga's live trading. Dennis, great show. Thank you to David Thanks, Prince Andy. for joining us from T3. Thanks, everyone in the chat. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. We'll be